you know, rather than trying to fulfill every wish and, and, and fantasy, fulfill your fantasy and find your joy and bring that into your restaurant and your cafe or wherever it is and focus on that. Don't try to be everything for everyone. Just do it for you and that will flow through into the rest of the business. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking about staffing, but from a rather different perspective. We're talking about it from the perspective of someone who has worked in and loved and struggled with the industry for 30 years and is now doing something else. Her name is Marika Oost. She's worked in all different arenas in hospitality. Uh, A lot of you will have eaten her food when she was Karen Martini's head chef. Marika, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks very much, Danny. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited. (laughs) Such a great opportunity and I just... Well, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm just thrilled with what you're doing. Oh, well, (laughs) thank you very much. I'm really thrilled to have the opportunity to speak to you. I know that it's going to be a great conversation because you have so much to say and you're you're such a thoughtful person. Uh, But I want to start with not so much your thoughts, but your, your aching muscles. Can you tell me how you're feeling in your body today? Ah, yeah. So for those who are listening, I started uh, at the local meatworks (laughs) and I haven't worked for eight months um, by choice initially and then because of COVID. Um, And today I am exhausted. Like every part of me is aching. Uh, My fingernails (laughs) have disappeared and they were once long. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was a pretty big day. That's um yeah really full on. What was your what's your role at the Meatworks? What are you actually doing? Yeah, so yesterday I was actually uh, up on the uh, sort of high area and I was cryovacking all day long for eight hours. Uh, it's uh it was a pretty um, mind boggling experience for me. Just uh you know it's okay getting packets of meat and all of that when you're opening up cartons for for stocks and sauces. Uh, it's a whole other kettle of fish when you've got white cotton gloves on and they're stained through with blood and you know you're literally surrounded with carcasses so it was yeah it was kind of really you know almost like an awakening the other side of it and uh, (laughs) I'm sort of you know still really geared up over it. Mm. Mm, Yeah well it sounds yeah really confronting and something that most people will never experience. Um, Is it (laughs) cattle, cattle work that is it a cattle works that you're at? Uh, Yeah, so it's a cattle and lamb works and uh, it's been around for, you know, over 70 odd years and it's, you know, such an impressive operation. Everything is so, you know, I I can't believe the order and uh, just the connectivity of everyone. It's such a massive operation that, of course, if anything goes wrong, you know, it's livestock at hand and that's what I've come away with and, you know, although it's hard and I guess kind of what people would think is gross, you know, tedious labour. But for me, it's it, it's just encouraged me to want to sort of get into all aspects of it. You know, I want to see every area and really, you know, learn those knife skills again and take that into my future. <laughs> if that sounds a little bit sort of, yeah, sort of, yeah, it, it, it really, it, it, I'm looking forward to my, my next shift, if, if that helps. But, yeah. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, I think it says a lot about you as a person and you sent me something you've written about your early days as a chef, you know, when you first worked as a as a waitress, hated it, sort of elbowed your way into the kitchen and, and never looked back or, you know, didn't look back for a while. And in that you also, just, you also talked about that 
intense curiosity and that uh, that that thirst for learning and for and for achieving for for um, attaining a certain level of skill and being able to apply that. So I hear that in your voice uh, when you're talking about the meatworks as well. Yeah, it, it it does. It transfers into all areas of my life, I think. But uh, countering that balance uh, <laughs> with joy. Uh, and, you know, countering it with everybody else's expectations, I guess, has been my biggest journey and why I've ended up um, in the spot I'm in, I guess. Mm. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. So, I mean, you've had a, had a long career and you've done so many different things, but give us the summary and, and, um, and take us through to the, the time when you thought, well, you know what, I can't actually be in this industry anymore. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I've got the, the usual, yeah, worldly, I guess, experience Started off in five-star hotels and, uh, you know, I've, I guess, of course, there's a lot of discipline there. There's a lot of people to, you know, maintain your energy, I guess. And if you if you shine, you get to shine really well. And so I had opportunities, you know, to do lots of different competitions and all of that sort of stuff. I really kind of loved the, the hotel aspect of it. Then took off overseas and realised that uh, there was a whole new world, just like everybody else. And came back and really sunk my teeth, I guess, into the Melbourne scene. Uh, yeah, with the Melbourne Wine Room and Karen, op- you know, opened up a world of opportunities for me and, you know, forever grateful. Um, yeah, sort of one of those unknown <laughs> sort of chefs, I guess. And I've always said, you know, I want to have that voice from the trenches because we're not all, you know, rising rock stars and all of that. We're, we're, we're grit and kind of grind and, you know, not a lot of highlight, I guess, and chasing those accolades is exactly what, yeah, took me out in the end and so had the kids and that was a real struggle, you know, listening to, uh, yeah, sort of uh, Kate Bartholomew's, you know, story about postnatal depression and all the rest of it, I guess that was the the kind of, yeah, big turning point for me. Um, you also experienced postnatal depression? Absolutely. Yeah, I sort of didn't admit that to anyone um, in the earlier years, Danny, but I, I, I certainly do now and I'm a great advocate for talking about how challenge, you know, how challenging it is for women in the industry where we are still kind of few and far between and, you know, we're rising strong, but no one kind of talks about the fact that uh, by having children you almost in a way, talk yourself out of the industry as well, unless you've got those opportunities that, you know, present, yeah, yeah, present a way to, to, to keep going and keep being successful like that. I had to certainly look at different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you do? I mean, was, was did you have your um, first kid when you were working at the Melbourne Wine Room? Yeah, that's right. So in 2006, I had uh, my first little girl and then in 2008, I had a little boy um, and yeah, so I, I worked, you know, for, for five months or so on that big charcoal grill that everyone's <laughs> remembers, you know, the beautiful, you know, steaks that used to come off that, that fabulous grill with this big old belly. Um, and then I obviously took, you know, maternity leave in, in essence, you know, I left, left the wine room and had no other destination. Um, and I worked at the markets. I opened up, you know, a tiny little market stall and I sold croissants and, you know, all sorts of rhubarb baklava cakes and, you know, just tried to make ends meet with a baby strapped to my back and rolling croissants at 4am. 
<laughs> and then I uh, started selling those into local cafes around Kyneton and the Macedon Ranges and just tried to keep my finger on the pulse as much as possible. And then that sort of culminated in opening up um, a small cafe and food store, which was a village larder in Wood End. Yeah, I know it's hard to disentangle these things, but do you feel like it was that, that, that I guess, pressure and, and that, that keeping going mentality that kicked you into the depression or do you feel like it's just something that was going to happen no matter what and the working circumstances didn't help you, you sort of get through it? Mm, that's a really, really good question. Uh, look, again, I can familiarise with a lot of your previous guests. Um, uh, I had obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, I still do as a child, anxiety, panic disorder growing up, anorexia, all of these things. Um, certainly not hiding any of that. I fell into the kitchen because it absolutely suited my, <laughs> I guess, manic disposition in a lot of ways. Um, it was my first time I experienced family. Uh, and so, yeah, it was really, really about being tribe strong. And I understood that if I kept turning up, I would keep having that consistent family around me on a really sort of integral level, uh, spiritual level. And then, of course, it, you know, you buy into the ego of it all as well. And, and yes, I didn't want to be considered a failure because I'd had children or made the choice to have, have ch children. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so it's so full on. And I mean, as you say, you you only sort of in retrospect admitted to the postnatal depression. Is it something that you had treatment for at the time or you just sort of battled through and, and somehow came out of the tunnel? No, I absolutely um, just battled through um, <laughs> to the point where I could um, go to post, you know, go to uh, maternal health uh, appointments and I guess fib my way through the fact that life was perfectly fine. Um, it was quite difficult, um, and I know it. I know now that uh, very damaging uh, that behaviour was as well. Um, so basically, um, the postnatal depression, I guess, did force me to keep on moving, um, and it also kind of destroyed my relationship um, as well. And having the business was just another stressor. On top of that, I had two young toddlers. You know, one barely out of nappies and one just, you know, who had been used to a mama at home for the first three years of her life and uh, then she was straight into daycare um, pretty much full time. So there was a lot of guilt around also, you know, trying to run a business <laughs> 24 hours a day as well. That just sounds like a, a situation that was bound to come to some kind of crunch. Um, so, yeah, what, what happened? I, I couldn't, uh, yeah, uh, look, I, I, I do agree with you. The, the, the problem is, you know, for me, I guess I never um, could understand how I was going to do anything else to change that aspect for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was a struggle and unfortunately, you know, through that the, uh, the business was really hard to maintain and, uh, you know, I lost the best friend of my best friend of my life as well through that business just because uh, everything was always being dealt with on a level of, yeah, constant fractures edge rather than joy. Yeah, wow. And that's, I guess that's not the energy that you want to put into to food and hospitality you know, at any level, but it's certainly... <laughs> no, but through all of that, I did do that despite it. 
<laughs> I guess that's, I mean, that's a testament to you and to, to your skills and your dedication, but I guess that's also an added strain, isn't it, where I guess that's that, that pride that um, makes it hard to admit that perhaps you're doing things that aren't working for you holistically. Yeah, yeah, there was no realism at all and it was all expectation and, you know, five years sort of further down the track I realised that the expectation was actually being set mostly by me especially when I had my own business and that I did have choices although I never took them because I was never brave enough because of the potential fallout. Wow. You know, just discussing, you know, long hours and what I needed to to survive and keep going in the business. So tell me, yeah, let's draw a line between between that and, and today and how you've ended up cryovacking meat at a cattle works. <laughs> yeah, so that, that journey was was really, um, it was quite a tumultuous path to get to the happiness that I am today. Um, the last position I held was in a little boutique hotel and I was really, you know, gunning, I guess, for, you know, that, that, that last chance for potentially breaking into the Sydney set. And I know that sounds very ego-driven and that's exactly what it really was. I saw great opportunity and I was taking it all um, unfortunately, the unravelling had started obviously way before then and I was continuing an uphill battle whilst also, you know, losing the relationship that I was now in and turning up and <laughs> holding all of that. And so I basically made the big decision to uh, to run away and that's pretty much what it was. I ran away to Queensland and I left everything and everyone behind, including my two kids, which was... Uh, yeah, yeah, devastating. And uh, yeah, I sort of just immersed myself in sunshine and water and healing. Uh, and then COVID happened and that sort of pushed a whole lot of other things forward and I needed to get out of the space I was in anyway. It was in a particularly, I was in a particularly bad spot at that time. And uh, yeah, found my way back to Melbourne uh, eventually and 100% better and on the path of joy and making decisions that uh, don't compromise my needs anymore really and that that I guess has been the greatest journey and the greatest strength and it's still a continuous one <laughs> but uh, I was feeling pretty broken mm. um <laughs> so you've had an interesting pandemic then in that you've come from Queensland to Melbourne where a lot of people have gone the other direction <laughs> and you've um, had a period where you've sort of got yourself more together rather than the unravelling that many people have experienced through this time of extraordinary change and stress. Um, so, I mean, so what's, what's, what is it that um, you sort of put back together? What, how, what, how and what, what's the shape of the positivity that you've been able to find? Yeah, wow, huge question. Um, I put myself back together in a, in a very short answer. I um, got myself into a position where I just had no identity anymore. I had completely lost myself to industry. I couldn't think of myself and I've heard, you know, many of your other guests sort of say the same thing um, in that... Yeah, I couldn't think of myself as any other way. I was lost. I didn't know how to how to be anyone other than a chef. Um, I brought my 
kitchen mentality into my home life, which is, it just didn't work at all. That's not how you <laughs> have a healthy and, and responsive and understanding relationship. Uh, so these are also lessons that I've learned by, I guess, and I call it the softening. I really, um, I've lost, I had a very, I guess, emasculated identity you know I, I I found it so hard as a female that in essence I'd you know and I like to say and I you know I, I'd grown a set of balls over the years and I basically needed to not have that set anymore I needed to find my femininity and my softness and the understanding that I didn't need to be so harsh in the world to be heard so it's been a, a very big journey, um, including being able to hold my children in a way that I've never been able to hold them before and, you know, my friends and, you know, I'm not close with my family. My, my, my friends are my family. Um, and through becoming more intuitive to myself and taking myself on this journey and really facing the really dark aspects of myself, I've opened up a world of happiness um, and it has only been capable, I guess I've only been capable of, of doing this by leaving the industry because it's giving me the space. So COVID was perfect timing for me. I was already edging out and it's just allowed me to solidify what it is I want um, and what it is I don't want regarding the industry, I guess. Mm. Wow. Sorry, that's a lot of words. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's pretty full on. I mean, it's an incredible like personal transformation and journey that you're describing tell me a bit more about that that chef attitude that you brought into the household yeah sure so I guess um it really you know began so many years ago in that you know as a young chef you you start to shed your normal friends and and things like that and you know you start to party and and hang out with more chefs and, and industry folk than anyone else and you end up meeting people in the industry as well. So I met my husband and he was not in the industry, but I basically remember saying to him, well, if you if you really, you know, want to hang out, this is probably not going to work unless you kind of get an industry job or whatever, which is so ridiculous to hear, me, hear myself say that out loud. But I, but I do recall saying that. In the end, he was already working in pubs and, and had no direction anyway and did end up in hospitality. Um, but, uh, yeah, over the years, I guess, um, that turned a little bit toxic and, you know, obviously with the business, we were working together and, uh, yeah, um, I guess that attitude of, you know, being in charge and, and, and telling people what to do and, and all of that transferred a, a little bit too much into my personal life. Um, yeah, um, it, it was difficult. Um, and then again, that behaviour, you know, obviously you have your own demons and repetitive childhood issues and all the rest of it. But um, in essence, I, I carried that through a number of relationships until it affected my last relationship um, to the point of, you know, great, great soul damage for two people. And um, that in and of itself has been a great... Uh, you know, energy behind my own personal healing because I just didn't want to hurt anyone else with, with, with my shit anymore. And I knew that the industry, after speaking to numerous psychologists over the years, um, that the industry was a huge part of my problem because I was just so entrenched and entrapped in the, in the culture of it. Um, yeah, so again, that softening was really important to me um, and it's allowed me to... <laughs> actually learn how to be 
a human again instead of a robotic machine and just um, on autopilot all the time and just reactive all the time. Mm, it's been a huge, huge change. I, f- I feel like a new woman, honestly, Danny, is the, <laughs> yeah, is the, is the positivity out of it all. Do you think that it's something like you, you've experienced the industry or you've made, you yeah, the industry has been this thing for you that, you know, didn't allow you to be the person that you need to be. Do you think that that's intrinsic to hospitality or do you think that you found the things that you sort of needed at the time, that sort of tribalism, that immersion? I mean, do you think there's another way of being in the industry? Do you think there's another way that you could possibly reapproach it and and let it do different things for you? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. In no way in my mind will I ever stop being a chef. You know, my greatest dream is, you know, honestly, to do an Annalise Gregory and just live my best life. (laughs) You know, writing the menus I want to write and, yeah, doing all of that. And I will do that. That's part of my future, I guess. Intrinsically, I just don't want to do it for anyone else anymore for so little thanks. Um, I think there is a different way to be in the industry for sure. And it is... um, solidly built on enough staff um it's solidly built on um the understanding that that even though we're good at our jobs and it's demanding we're human and that we need to have some downtime and you know i i I just think job sharing for a start would be an incredible way to start you know to begin those conversations you know there are some people who really like working nights there are some people who really love working days um can we look at the kitchen differently can we can we do full-on prep shifts and you know a lot of these kitchens do work like that but it needs to be more around our lifestyle and our joy factors so that when we come to work we're joyful and when we leave work we're also joyful Mm. Can you talk mm. about the place of creativity in your personal development? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it's creativity for me has always been an integral part of my life. My grandmother was, you know, an, a, an amazing artist right up until the moment she was blind, <laughs> um, and you know, teaching people how to how to paint. It really, you know, formed, yeah, my, my I, I guess that side of me. I did not see myself as an artist or anything other, in any other way creative up until I stopped being a chef. Um, as a chef, the creativity for me, um, I, the best way to explain it is I'm pretty on the spectrum, I guess, and I say pretty on the spectrum because I don't need someone to tell me <laughs> to, to, to know that I am and I'm very comfortable with that experience because it really formulated how I look at things and the, the reasons why I cook and what I put on the plates and how I layer things, you know, from palettes and texture and all of those things that, that, that we love to eat, um, you know, um, yeah, that is transferred um, into, I guess, becoming and wanting to be an artist, which I paint every day. I've in over COVID, I've painted over eighty paintings, um, all very um, dedicated around the world, around the world of communication and um, transition, um, how we affect each other in the world, and those sort of things. And I've also finally bought a camera for the first time which I've wanted since I was a little girl and uh, that has become uh, I, I guess you know a bit of a cliche but a lens to a different world for me um, and 
that moment of understanding that I was more than just a chef but that I was really articulate as an artist happened in the ocean in Queensland and I've got quite long dreadlocks Well, they're a bit multifunctional and the hair's a bit multifunctional at the moment, <laughs> which is also a part of the softening. I used to dye my hair and shave it and be crazy and now I haven't done a thing with it for the last three years by choice. Um, it's, it's washed and healthy. It's just, you know, a part of, part of the undoing, I guess. But I was in the ocean and I was swamped by this amazing wave and I love being in the water. It's very cathartic for me. I came home and drew my first picture and I never stopped since. Wow. I love that. Yeah. It's been pretty huge. Um, how are things with the kids now? Oh, my children, they've, they're, they're just the most beautiful, um, soul-filled children, my little baby Soul and, and, and the tea man. So they're kids who have been through a lot. They're hospitality kids. Um, lots of people will be able to, I guess, familiarise, you know, be, yeah, empathetic of that. Um, they've been kids who've grown up under kitchen benches and all sorts of things and they've seen their mother and father fall apart. They've seen other relationships, you know, of mine in particular fall apart quite badly and uh, then, you know, journey back together again. And through all of that, uh, they've been the most resilient, incredible little people I could ever imagine. I have a very different viewpoint on motherhood, which is quite unusual, I guess. Um, First of all, I left my children and that's an interesting dynamic because it's usually men who leave you know, isn't it, you know, not, not, not women. And so that in the first instance. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so but what leaving did was allow me to come back to them as a whole person. Um, I was very honest about my situation with them. When I wasn't feeling good, I, I really said, look, kids, I, I'm not feeling good right now or, you know, we need to do this or we need to do that or very, very, very practical. Um, and they haven't not been hurt. Um, I'm under no illusion that, you know, they'll be in therapy when they're 30 and (laughs) demanding that I, that I answer their questions, which I'll more than happily do, of course. And I have a beautiful relationship with them now. My daughter is, um, the most, uh, creative little child, you know, little girl, she's, she's 14 and just growing into this, you know, just organically beautiful young woman. My son is exactly, exactly like me. He's eclectic and, um, a little on the edgy side and <laughs> battles battles with um, with a lot of things unless he's out in the elements and, and he's just a super cool kid. Mm. I'm very lucky to have them. Mm. So I, I you know from a from a motherhood perspective, I think I just guide them now. I um they I, I have a saying that they're off my boob, so you know, and uh, I, I'm just there to help them. Yeah. What would you say to yourself, like you were pretty much a kid when you first started working in restaurants, what, what would you say to, your, to, that, to that girl just starting out if you could have a word in her ear now? Yeah, I'd say um, be kind to yourself, actually listen to yourself a lot more. Uh, what is it that you really want instead of listening to what everybody else um, is sort of determining for you? Um, find your own spirit and your own dreams and never forget that um, you're important in the world because I just simply forgot that I mattered Um, and the self-love aspect of it for me um, has been you know a huge journey you know I've only just been able to look myself in the mirror properly and um, hold people's you know eyesight um, 
which is, you know, very, very much down to confidence. And I was very confident in the kitchen and not confident anywhere else in my life, but people thought I was. And so I would say be brave and be vulnerable and bloody bodacious. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It is incredibly brave of you to leave that environment and to, I guess, risk, yeah, risk that sort of unbuttoning of yourself and and trust that you were going to be able to put it put yourself back together somehow and I suppose also just that unknown like to not quite know how who you were going to put yourself back together to be yeah that that that's exactly right um I I didn't know who I was and at all and uh, through this journey I've just found that I'm kind of a, a good person that's worth loving and um if nothing else comes of it um that's a really valuable yeah and worthy journey for me (laughs) that I'm okay in the world and um I don't need kind of anything else or anyone else if 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 that's the case you know if that's the way it is to be that I'm okay in this kind of yeah ebb and flow and yeah just vibing high really You know, a lot of people go into the industry looking for that that family, looking for that connection and, you know, they get, I guess, swallowed up by the the all-encompassing nature of it. You know, it becomes your work life, it becomes your social life. It's just sort of always there and, you you know, you can do it in any city or any country around the world. It's it's sort of always there for you to slip into as a a safe space, even though it can be a damaging space for certain people at certain times in certain circumstances. So what would you say to people who are in the industry, whether they're their workmates or their employers? Like what you know, how do people how can people, I guess, look at one another as humans and, and help how can we help one another along along this journey? In a way that's I guess is is sustaining and nourishing, not damaging. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think we need to fundamentally work out why it is that this that the industry um why we started you know it was for nurturing it was for for all of those really delicious parts of life feeding people nurturing um you know dancing with fire on pans um there's there's a real spirit in the kitchen and on the floor that that can't be found anywhere else and we need to tap into that vibrancy but tired people can't provide that vibrancy every day so I think the conversation needs to be about around honesty. We're not built, none of us are built to work 12-hour days. We all do it because that's the expectation. But how can we achieve these, these great things without exhausting ourselves to the point of devastation? We need to minimise our menus. We need to, to, to focus on the simplicity of produce and we can do that in, you know, all, all aspects of cooking. It doesn't matter what genre we're thinking about. That it, but if we just earth back to, to, to the reasons that we began and, and the fact that this food and the animals just honestly come, back, come from the earth, then in an elementary point of view we come full circle and by minimising, we become full. That that's how I how I see it. You know, rather than trying to fulfil every wish and, and and fantasy, fulfil your fantasy and find your joy, and bring that into your restaurant and your cafe or wherever it is, and focus on that. Don't try to be everything for everyone. Just do it for you, and that will flow through into the rest of the business. Mm. Um, you're really creating a picture for me of a beautiful 
like cafe or cozy restaurant that I really want to be in. Like it just feels so good mm. to be there. Um, can you talk a little bit about that business that you're going to create that you're going to own? And um, yeah, what are you going to what are you going to do there? What's it going to feel like? What's it going to yeah? What's it going to be like to walk in there? Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is where I might get teary, I guess, because the dream has been for so long to to be certainly uh, out somewhere quite rural. Um, I would like it to be a destination area. I always feel mountains, but I'm so drawn to the sea. So <laughs> there's a there's a there's a bit of a, um, a moment there. But um, it will certainly be a space where people will want to be because it'll be where I want to be and full of the things that I love, right from the wisteria trees growing around, you know, the very simple house um, that I want to to live in to the kitchen space, which will be a separate area altogether so that, uh, you know, the long-term dream, of course, is to have produce and potentially, you know, animals and, and all of that sort of thing so that I can create a business where as my garden and my produce eventuates, I will cycle dinners and events around that also inclusive of my art and my love of music a really interactive and and space you know wonderful space full of energy for people to just sit with food sit with friends and sit with love and enjoy you know a beautiful space that I've created you know (laughs) that that's the that's the dream I've got you know I collect antiques and kitchenalia I've been doing that for the, the odd 25 years they're all packed away in boxes so the feeling of the place is already done it's just a matter of building myself financially um of course as everyone does to to feed the dream further and it's slow goings but I think I'm you know hopefully going to start back on that path again (laughs) whilst also finding joy instead of (laughs) yeah yeah terror which is good Mm. I can really feel that place but I see it and I feel it yeah I can I can feel it too I'm coming it sounds really beautiful um Marika let's finish off by you telling me a dish that um I don't know just something that's really expresses where you're at right now tell me tell me about um tell me what you'd cook if I if I came over yeah absolutely so uh, my favourite dish of, of of my kind of, you know, mind moment is with a skirt steak straight off the grill. There's an XO mayonnaise. There's a pawpaw slaw. There's crispy onion rings. Uh, there's just, yeah, it's just an Asian sort of explosion which is really unusual for me but the earthiness of that XO is going to yeah bring it all together and that sharp pawpaw (laughs) yeah little crispy shallots and lots of love yum oh my goodness (laughs) it's just yeah it sounds so good and it's funny because it sort of circles us back to the meatworks (laughs) (laughs) well let's hope I get to get to serve it to you one day Danny (laughs) I hope so but yeah it's it circles us around to that beef and to the the cattle that you're putting in bags so you're you're back at the meatworks is that you're back there tomorrow I am back there tomorrow. Hopefully my aching hands and body will be a little bit less sore, but, you know, straight back into it. It's, uh, yeah. Brilliant. It's it's pretty mind-numbing, but uh, it's good. 
it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's part of your meditation, isn't it? To to have that have this as part of your journey and to learn what you can there and just to it's you know, I guess, you know, it honestly really is. I was talking to my flatmate last night, Danny, and uh I said exactly that and he was just kind of looking at me like I was all spiritual woo-woo and I said, "No." It's full circle. I said I could take advantage of this. You know, every aspect of of, the, of those animals is available to me. And I know it sounds a little bit kind of a little bit off key, I guess, but it's such an amazing opportunity to really um, hone skills and an understanding of these animals and beasts that I've been using for years. Um, and it's kind of like paying homage and, and respect to those beasts, um, yeah, for me in a way. So, yeah, with a future dream, of course, of, of, of carrying those skills further. Mm. Interesting how life works. Isn't it? It's amazing. And I, I think it's, it's incredible how you're using every aspect of, you know, the, the actions that are, that are put in front of you the, or the life that you're creating for yourself and you're sort of really using it to pr- propel you further along a, a really worthwhile path. It's actually, it's, I'm really privileged that you have um, shared your story with the Dirty Linen crowd. Um, thank you so much for being so open, for being so brave and for, for taking that journey so that we can um, jump on it with you for a little while. I really, um, yeah, I'm really, really grateful. Oh, Danny, I'm super grateful and and, and super privileged. You've, you've just done so much. I've I've never felt more connected to my tribe um, over such um, shared sadness and you know also obviously those happy moments than ever before. And it's very much thanks to, thanks to you and your program and of course uh, the Deep in the Weeds podcast as well. So thanks so much for the opportunity. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. Let's stay in touch. I want to know what happens next. Absolutely, Danny. <laughs> All right, beautiful. Thanks so much, Danny. I look forward to speaking to you soon. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>